for those of you out there who don't know who Chris Jones is, he is uh, formerly of Access Software, and he is the creator and plays the lead character in the Tex Murphy series of adventure games, which ran from 1989 to 1998. And uh, basically, Chris, my first question for you is, um, what have you been up to since uh, Overseer wrapped in uh, 98? Well, uh, you know, uh, in 1999, we sold uh, Access Software to Microsoft, and... Um, once we sold to Microsoft, uh, basically, I was a principal there, so I had a five-year contract with them. Uh, I worked as a product planner. I worked on the Lynx series. I worked on Amp. I worked on uh, the baseball game, and so uh, also the, the tennis game. Uh, so we were uh, the Salt Lake studio that uh, was really involved with sports on that end. And then in, in uh, 2004, after my contract was done, uh, I went to work for a uh, company called True Golf, which is uh, basically we had the Link series when we were at Access, and uh, True Golf uh, basically took the software and uh, made it so that it worked on big simulators, so you could actually play golf with your uh, with your own clubs. And uh, you know, just basically part of my heritage was the golf part of it as well. So um, did that for a number of years, still there, but. Uh, formed uh, another uh, a company called Big Finish Games that uh, I put together with Aaron Connors, and we built um, uh, like four or five different um, uh, casual games. Uh, there were three Cards to Midnight series, and then also the Rita James series. We did a, uh, another game uh, outsourced that we put together, but in essence, we've been since then just trying to get back and figure out a way if, if we could ever finish the Tex Murphy series since we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger there. So uh, it's always been kind of a goal of ours to get back and, and try and wrap things up there. So right. So now you're, um, I've been doing. you're now you're jumping right back into sort of what you made your name in. I guess uh, the Chris Jones name is most famous for Tex Murphy, obviously, because you are the face of Tex Murphy. Uh, right. What I wanted to know is... Um, it seems like, based on what you told me earlier, the idea for another Tex Murphy game sort of has been in your mind for a while. Is that true, or was it yeah, really... That's, oh, okay. Um, that's is that a direct result of the sort of cliffhanger? I, I unfortunately did not play Overseer, so I'm not sure um, what the cliffhanger is, but ha- has there been a large demand for this? Were people always wondering where the next, Tech Mur- where the next Tex Murphy game was going to show up, or if it's another Tex Murphy game was going to happen? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, it looked like at the end of Overseer that Tex got killed along with his longtime girlfriend. And, uh, you know, that, that was the beginning of a new adventure that uh, we never <laughs> really got a chance to get off the ground. Uh, and But it was all a setup to uh, uh, the next series that, that we had planned with Tex. And, you know, obviously with Microsoft taking over and it didn't really fit into their uh, Xbox plans to uh, have uh, that type of adventure game. They felt that that was really more of a, a PC title. And then, you know, as, as uh, the industry evolved, it, it totally went away from adventure games for a number of years. So we really didn't have a chance to uh, to get back and tell our, our uh, saga there. So, yeah, this was, you know, a lot of people have been hanging, hanging on for years. <laughs> Websites have been out there. Uh, people basically saying, when are you going to bring this character back? Uh, you know, you can't leave it like this. And it's kind of like uh, Sherlock Holmes when he goes over the falls. People, <laughs> you know, make the demands of uh, they really want to see that character come back. And so, um, you know, the pressure has always been there. It's just, you know, how it was really just the means to uh, actually bring the character back has always been the problem. Right. So did Microsoft own the character just until recently or... Did the market just not um, was the market just not ready for another adventure game in the older, tra- more traditional format? 
Well, there there really was uh, rights to characters and, you know, uh, the, the old stories, but, you know, the characters uh, were uh, a part of um, what Aaron Connors had created, so there were some rights associated with that. But, um, you know, uh, from from the Microsoft standpoint, they just never really felt, once they switched to Xbox, that, um, well, I, that it that it really was compelling enough to to move a, a console product, and so uh, that's why it never really got wings there. And uh, again, like I say, uh, years after that, a couple of years after it, it was just adventure games, basically, uh, kind of dead in the water there. So um, it really is kind of this uh, uh, you know this groundswell of support through the Kickstarter program that uh, is making this possible. Okay, well, I'm sure because of the recent sort of renaissance of uh, adventure games, a lot of our listeners may be aware of what Tex Murphy is, or was, rather. But can you let us know just sort of a brief overview of what Project Fedora is for anyone who is uh, not aware of what you're doing at the moment? Well, uh, what it is is a continuation of uh, the character that that we uh, started in 1989, and, and Tex Murphy is basically a private investigator in the future, uh, it's kind of a dystopian future. It kind of has a Blade Runner feel. And he's really a man out of time. He's a man who should have been born in the 1930s and the 40s, more like uh, Humphrey Bogart and a Robert Mitchum. He's got a trench coat and a fedora, and he's got his wit, but he's, he's really uh, a guy who was born 100 years too late. And he lives in, a, in, this, gen, in this world that's... Uh, uh, occupied by people who have been affected by radiation, so they're they're lovingly referred to as mutants, and you have, have the norm people, but he kind of lives more with the, the mutant side of the population. And, and really, we try and, and get that film noir feel, the, the films of the 1930s, the 40s, you know, the, the classic detective films, and kind of project it 100 years into the future and try and create that Depression-era feel of the 30s and 40s, but we set it uh, in the future. But, but the whole point is we try and set the atmosphere that way, but he's also a guy who... Uh, uh, is uh, a little bit of an idiot savant uh, crime solver. I mean, there's a lot of humor in the game, but you're dealing with kind of a, a, a darker world. So we, we kind of play the black humor uh, is, is the angle that we take with all of that. And there are, any, are there any sort of uh, specific authors or works that kind of inform Tex Murphy's world? Well, I, you know, I think uh, it's, uh, it really would have more of a Raymond Chandler feel. Uh, that's that's really uh, conceptually um, the idea behind it is, is we're really trying to project that the detective of the past into the future. So any, you know, the, the Sam Spade kind of stuff, uh, that, that really is uh, the basis of the character. Okay. Now, if people uh, go to the Kickstarter page and watch the sort of pitch video, they will see you as Tex Murphy once again, I guess maybe right. 14 years since your last appearance. Um, what I want to know is, is this your first return to acting since that game? And uh, if so, how do you feel about kind of jumping into that sort of role again? Well, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> I did a I did a, a role a couple of years back that was... Uh, for a, uh, a robot that was actually a PI. Uh, this guy put together, um, uh, was almost like an animatics of it. And so um, I, I did that for him. He, and the reason he wanted me to do it is because obviously he was a Tex Murphy fan. Uh, so, you know, honestly, I haven't really been involved with uh, any kind of uh, acting since, since I did that, which was about five years ago. But that was pretty much along the same lines as, as a Tex Murphy character. So hmm. I may be typecast as a PI, and maybe that's about as far as my 
experience and, and acting abilities might take me. So, is that something that you missed uh, from you know being in that uh, sort of uh, that sort of role or uh, having the having the opportunity to sort of uh, play that role? I guess is that something that you missed uh, because you did you did do it? What uh, was that three at least at least three times? Correct. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd done it in the other uh, two previous uh, Martian Memorandum Mean Streets, but it, that was basically being a pixelated character. So right. really it was kind of a, in a, an evolving thing. I mean, when I started out, I was just a face, and it as we kind of went through it, we had this real sound thing, so we could do a little voice, so, you know, I, I could pull that off. So uh, we took it that far, and then we started getting into the characters and realized, that, hey, we could put some dialogue in here. And so really the, the role just kind of grew out of necessity. Uh, but it it was something that I did love. I mean, you know, obviously I I have a, a great love for uh, Bogart and Robert Mitchum and and those types of movies, the film noir uh, feel movies are, have always been my favorite. And so, um, just trying to recapture that is really what uh, I've tried to do with the role. And really, what I miss more than anything was probably uh, the creative aspect of it, of of creating these worlds and creating the stories, and you know, and uh, you know. Uh, interweaving the puzzles into it so that, I mean, you actually, uh, you know, create an environment from nothing, and, and, and that, to me, was probably the most exciting part of it. Hmm. Uh, speaking of puzzles, uh, just reading up on the Tex Murphy series uh, over the past few days, I've noticed that they were sort of ahead of their time in the sense that they gave the player difficulty levels depending on what they wanted out of the game. If they wanted the story, there was an easier difficulty level that sort of, you know, made things flow a little smoother if someone wasn't sort of uh, in the adventure game mindset. And then there was a difficulty setting for people that were used to adventure games and what they demanded of players. Um, what I want to know is, have you been playing adventure games since Overseer? And will any of the sort of uh, changes in design influence how Project Fedora is made? Well, I, yeah, I, I think to uh, uh, a certain extent that will affect it. But one thing that I'm finding is, you know, when we go out and, and we've been talking to people and the people who are backing the project, you know, they, they really have, uh, you know, a, an idea of what they want. And so, you know, I've talked on programs before and I, I've, I've said, you know, we're, we're going to make it a little slicker, and that was almost a mistake. What I meant by that was saying, you know, we're going to make the interface easier to use. I mean, you know, I mean, you look back 15, 20 years, I mean, the interface was a little clunky, so we wanted to make sure that it's, that the mechanics don't get in the way of the game, and so much has improved that way that we want to make sure uh, we build that in. But in many regards, they want to, you know, they absolutely want a, a classic text mystery. And so, yeah, there are things that, uh, um, you know, design uh, philosophies and design concepts that, that I think make uh, uh, puzzles better and more intuitive and, and a little more fair to the player. And I think those things need to be incorporated, but, you know, I, I do want people to understand that this, this is basically, uh, you know, we are uh, recreating Texas world, and, and we are technically uh, improving things that will make it easier to play, but uh, the game that, that they knew and loved uh, through the series, uh, you know, is, is going to be the heart of, of what the experience will be. Okay, that's great to hear. Uh, well, currently we're living in a world where uh, Tim Schafer is making a new adventure game. Um, there's going to be a new King's Quest game, I'm guessing. There's going to be a new Leader Suit Larry game. Yeah. Um, how does this feel as someone who sort of uh, made their name in this specific genre? 
how do you feel about the state of adventure games? And you think this this renaissance that we're experiencing is what at least what I'm calling it? Do you think it will continue, or are you afraid that people will grow tired of this sort of game like they did in the late '90s? Well, to me, uh, you know, one of there there are elements about a classic adventure game that uh, people long for. I think one of the one of the experiences that I had is is when you go back and you think, boy, I have some great memories of that game, and you go back and you start playing it and go, oh wow, uh, the graphics aren't that hot, or you know, uh, using the interface makes it makes it very clumsy to play. Um, conceptually, I think people love storytelling. Conceptually, I think they love uh, uh, being able to grasp onto a character or, or go on an adventure that you know offers them something that is unique, and I think those elements, uh, you know, are the core, and and those need to be brought out. I think there are too many, uh, when when you look at the number of games that are out there right now, too many of them are almost exactly the same, and so I think what created this was a longing to go back and say, you know, there used to be more choices. There used to be uh, experiences that I could get that, that really are no longer available to me. And so people are saying, you know, I want more choices. I, you know, I want an adventure. I want, uh, you know, a, a strategy game that, that offers me more. And so I think what they're saying is, look, uh, give me the core experience. Give me something that I'm really going to enjoy. Make sure that um, it, it isn't going to be, uh, you know, a problem to play or feel so dated that uh, uh, this feels like, you know, that I, I forgot all, all the bad parts of this. Bring forward the good stuff. Give me the choices and make it so that, you know, it's, it's, some, it's modernized. And I, I think that's the key. And if we do that, if we give them the experience at the core of what they remembered and then bring it forward so, it, you know, it's technically clean and easier to play, then I think there's a place for uh, the adventure games out there. Hmm. That is a good point. I think a lot of what has happened with adventure games is just, like, you know, smoothing out the interface and sort of getting rid of all the little problems that people complain the most about. If you look at Telltale's games, um, they've sort of uh, been doing a very good job at that. Even though right. their games are very linear, they sort of understand what the problems were and are addressing them with each you know iteration of their new series. Exactly, and that, I think that's what uh, people are after: is it, it just don't just don't give me a bunch of problems in my face. Make it so that I can enjoy the experience. Right. Uh, one, uh, I have two more questions for you. I noticed okay. in the in the pitch video, which, like I said, I really enjoyed, um, that I was I was sort of happy to see that you are keeping the full motion video um, actors and scenes and everything like that. At least that's what it seemed like based on the video I watched. Um, how do you think people's attitudes have changed about uh, live actors in games? Because at, in the '90s, it was at first it was sort of a novelty, and then people were kind of getting sick of it, and there was probably a lot of backlash. I'm sure you experienced. Um, personally right. in reviews and you know write-ups and stuff like that uh how do you feel people's attitudes have changed about uh sort of incorporating live actors in games because now when it's done i believe it was most recently done in uh like a connect game called the gunstringer people were like oh this is great this is a great novelty but maybe 10 years ago they'd be like this is trash why would you do this um <laughs> do you agree with that sort of uh that the, the kind of sea change in how people view live actors in games is that and is that why you sort of are sticking with what made the last three Tex Murphy games um, so, I guess, I don't know, they just feel like they have their own distinct feeling because of the live uh, yeah, actors. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't think the, the Tex Murphy fans would be satisfied unless we did live actors. I, you know, to me, the problem was is when, when we've all started out, and obviously, you know, it, it was a revolution when it started, and, you know, there was uh, the case to be made 
for, you know, now there's enough memory, we can start doing it. But it, but it was in its infancy. And, and so if, if, you, if you look at movies, you know, 100 years ago or, you know, uh, even earlier, it's like, okay, well, they don't hold up to the test of time. But, you know, after 10 or 15 or 20 years on top of that, then you get to a format where you're saying, oh, wow, look at this. This could hold up today. And so I think that's really where we're at of with the technology changes, with what, uh, with what we've learned, with the power of the machines, now with the, with the tools that allow you to integrate, um, you know, green screen so much better. I mean, what's the Avengers? The Avengers is nothing but a, you know, it's a computer game with real people. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a computer game with real people. And real people allow you to get nuances of performances, nuances of the character. Uh, you know, I think one of the reasons the text character is so endearing is because he's a real person. And people could relate to that. And people could relate to the relationships that he has with the people there. And that's not to say that CG can't do it. But my point is it can be done better with real people. And you know, like I say, we have uh, Adrian Carr being our director. I mean, he's you know worked in the industry. He knows to, how to pull out performances. All of the uh, uh, you know the early stages stuff was a learning process, and I think a lot of it you know we learned poorly. But I think we've learned uh, over that time period that um, you know there is a way to make this work. There is a way to uh, bring more personality uh, through using real people to build relationships better. And I think people will see that in this next generation of FMV, which I think will be there, because honestly, when I look at 300 or uh, any of the movies out there, which are basically CG with, with real characters, they're still using real characters as opposed to uh, using CG characters on CG backgrounds. And I think the reason for that is is because you just get a, a much more deeper range of emotion that I think people are are longing for it. Again, they're longing for it because they want more choices in the, in the gaming field, and this is one of those choices that I think they're going to say, you know, uh, wow, this this is so much better, or I never realized it could be done this good, and I think that's what they're going to see. I think I have a point because when I see reviews for things like uh, the Beowulf CGI movie or the Polar Express, the most common complaint is the characters look like you know walking corpses. They don't look like actual, like yeah. actual people. They're, they don't emote. They don't emote accurately. So I can see what you're saying or coming from there. So. My last question is, if you sort of had an unlimited budget, which is, uh, you know, every, everyone's dream, every developer's dream, who would you like to cast in Project Fedora if you, if you could have just, like, any actor, living or dead? Like, who would you want to just throw in your game? Well, you know, uh, this would seem like a weird choice, but uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Mickey Rourke's performance in Sin City. I mean, to me, that had the essence uh, of the kind of feel that, that we're looking for in our game. And so whether it be a, a, a Mickey Rourke or a, a Bruce Willis, um, those types of, of actors bring um, the elements that I think uh, our product uh, would best showcase. And so it, really it would be someone along those lines that would be very interesting. Excellent. So uh, Bruce or Mickey, if you're listening, uh, give Chris a call. He's looking for you. <laughs> Uh, I'm ready. I, I'll be here 24 hours a day. Awesome. So, Chris, thanks a lot for uh, giving us a call here. And can you let us know when your uh, when your Kickstarter wraps up? Yeah, you bet. Uh, is it is it June 16th? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think it's June 15th. Oh, actually. June 15th. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, yes, and it's you're looking for 450 thousand right now. Right. Okay, and, and I think you're at like a little over 300. Yeah, we're about uh, 312, so we're almost at 70%. Excellent. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and uh, for you listeners, just check the blog post for this episode, and I'll include a link to the Kickstarter page where you can donate.